0: In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? You're listening to St. Mark Bemidji's podcast, a podcast about redemption through the glory of Christ Jesus, our risen Savior. There are nearly 4 million podcasts to enchant or torture your ears out there. Why would you want to listen to this one? Because there are so few podcasts out there that offer a message like ours. Ours is the same message that Jesus carried and that so many others have strived to share with everyone they meet. It's a message about Jesus and His perfect life, death, and resurrection. The message of a better life through faith in that same Jesus. It's the message of salvation from death and an eternity in hell that comes to us by faith in Jesus alone. It's a message that you can't hear enough of. It's a message for Elon Musk and for the guy at the bottom of the bottle, and everyone in between. Today's sermon is titled, To Humble Hope. It comes to us out of our sister congregation in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. It's based on Romans chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible handy, don't worry. Pastor Allard reads the text for the sermon at the beginning of the meditation. May we all be blessed by our time together, pondering the Word of God.
1: We know here from Romans chapter 11, just a section of that lesson. Just as you, who are at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so that they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone, over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. So far As the sun dips low over the horizon casting its fading glow over the port city the bustling port city of Corinth a group of Jewish observers gather and they're watching as a growing number of people gather around a specific figure, it is none other than the Apostle Paul. This is about four or five years before this letter to Romans that you just heard was written, but I'm going to use it as a case in point. So these Jews gather and they're listening to Paul. Paul, who was once a fellow Jew with them, a zealous Pharisee turned messenger of Jesus, and now he's passionately preaching that same Jesus, to an assembly of the Goyim, as the Jews call them, the Gentiles. And among this gathering of Jews, there's murmurs of suspicion, there's actually murmurs of anger floating through the air, and their beliefs clash with the spectacle that's unfolding before them. They saw the Apostle Paul go from the synagogue that they had just kicked Paul out of, right next door To a house of a Gentile, and now you can hear Paul's voice ringing out and through the atrium of that Gentile's house. What's his name again? Titius, Justice. Got to remember that guy's name. But Paul's voice is ringing out, and we hear his plea for unity under God, the one true God. But then Paul Paul's voice also then says these words too: You people know that I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And the weight of those words settle on the hearts of those observing Jews. Dear friends, brothers and sisters of Timothy, visitors, you just heard. What you just heard of these Jews was them witnessing a seismic shift in the church of God. A seismic shift that God himself was well aware of, but apparently his people had forgotten. A mystery unfolding before their very eyes. So Paul writes of it here. And what Paul writes of is nothing less than a call. To hope. A hope like nothing else we have ever been given in this world. But a call to humble. Humble. It's funny that I speak of humility, especially considering that right from the start of this lesson, Paul says, and I quote, I'm talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy. Those are a couple of words that don't really sound that good. Pride, envy, aren't those typically sins? And yet Paul says here that he is proud of his ministry. The simplest answer I could give to that is this is a good pride because it's all about pride in serving the Gentiles with this thing called salvation. But at the same time, Paul wanted more for his ministry. He was taking pride in his ministry for this reason, and I would illustrate it by talking about Bees and pollinating, and how that forms a foundation for all life on the planet, or maybe not all of it, but a whole lot of it, right? If you've read about bees and pollinating, you know what I'm talking about. It's a catalyst for life. That's what Paul wanted. For his ministry to be a catalyst for the life of his own people, so many of whom he saw who were rejecting the message. And so he wanted his ministry to be a catalyst that would cause his fellow Jews to envy. That sounds like another sin. But it's not. When you realize that God is perfectly capable of holding out this gift of salvation to every single human being in history. So when the Jews are looking over and seeing Gentiles lapping up this message from the Apostle Paul, God is holding out the exact same gift and saying to each of them, each of those Jewish chosen people, the Old Testament people, saying, take it, just take it. And yet, by and large, we know how the Jewish people responded at that time in history, it says our lesson For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, and then I skip ahead, as far as the gospel is concerned, they, the Jews, are enemies for your sake. The Jews, by and large, are rejecting enemies of the gospel and of now the true God. But I'm going to make those words that Paul just used that their rejection of the gospel was for the sake of the Gentiles, or to put it more clearly in English, for the benefit of the Gentiles. Let me take that and make that one step stronger. The rejection of the gospel by the Jews is a godsend to the Gentiles. It's as simple as this. At the time of the Apostle Paul, as he was teaching, like here a few years before the book of Romans, teaching in Corinth, The Jews in the synagogue rejected his message. And so he simply turned and began to speak to the Gentiles. And if I said that incorrectly, the Jews who had rejected him, he now turns away from them and simply starts teaching the Gentiles. He wasn't the only one, was he? There were others. We talked about one of those others in Bible study. Another Jew who was teaching about Christ accurately... For the most part, his name was Apollos. Not Paul, but Apollos. And these teachers were already going out into the world and being rejected by one group and now speaking to the benefit of the Gentiles. Soon, what would be the result of that? Jews rejecting, but Gentiles receiving. If you want to think of the demographics of an average congregation at that time... The majority of them were Jews, and the minority were Gentiles. But that, as the years went on, would be like this. And there might be a little group of Jews left in the Christian churches, and now the majority are Gentile races. What is the temptation to... Well, let me put it this way. The Battle of Salamis... The Greek Persian War. And even if you're bored of history, bear with me for a moment. The Battle of Marathon had happened, and King Darius had been routed by the Greeks, and he wanted revenge more than anything against the Greek peoples. So he came and assembled a new army and a vast naval force. In fact, so vastly superior to the pathetic Greek navy that he knew he was going to win. It was a foregone conclusion. But Themistocles, a Greek, had a plan. He said, let's lure those Persians into the narrow Salamis Strait, where it's not just narrower, but the waters are more shallow. But Darius was so confident that he had built on a hill a literal golden throne to watch the battle unfold before him. But what he actually saw was for every Greek trireme vessel, as they called their vessels, for every Greek vessel that was sunk, five Persian ships were sunk. Apparently, Themistocles' Themistocles plan had worked, and it worked like a charm. They were not able to maneuver like the Greek ships, and they ran aground in some cases even, and so the Greeks maintained and preserved their liberty at a very critical point in history. My point is simply this. Darius and his successor Xerxes so looked down on the Greeks that they underestimated their opponent. They gloated over their opponents. What's the temptation when the Gentiles become the majority in the congregations in Paul's day to look down and underestimate and gloat. Now, as we think of this today, we have to say very clearly, Jews who had walked away from God, yes, they would end up in hell. Man is destined to die once and then to face judgment, in this case, a judgment of guilt. And yet, arrogance toward the Jews, even as they were rejecting the gospel, there was no place for that. In fact, as soon as you start to analyze arrogance within the church of God, it breaks down and looks so insane. But I'm going to say that arrogance toward Jews is not our problem. In fact, if we had some Jews from this community who were Christians and had come, we'd be going, yay, good. I'm going to submit to you that our problem is going to be more of arrogance from Gentiles against other Gentiles. Within our own ranks sometimes. I heard a pastor when I was down in the Sioux City area. One of our own pastors say, "Of one of our professors at Martin Luther College, oh, that professor. Yeah, I know he wrote this book, but he was once he was once part of ELCA and the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And who is he to tell us and teach us anything?" And I was shocked. I'm like, "If it's the truth, brother, it's the truth." And I'm going to say, who cares about the past? What is he teaching now? This is from one of our pastors. Or we might do the same thing here, where you have one person who's been a member of the Wells for 50 years, but another one's been a member for 80. And we might even play the Lutheran card and say, I was born Lutheran. Who are you to tell me anything? As soon as you start to analyze it, it sounds insane. And it should. Jesus tells us this. Through a king who is the wisest man in history other than Jesus. Proverbs 24 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. And if this is even true of an enemy, how much more fellow sisters and brothers in the church of God Dear brothers and sisters, let us view ourselves as such. As brothers and sisters in the church of God. And then look at how is God in great contrast to how we can be with each other. This is God. And we read in our lesson. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And they, the Jews, are loved on account of the patriarchs. This is not once saved, always saved. That is not what this is. People can stop listening to the call of God and they can lose their eternal salvation. There are many places in Scripture that say that bluntly. Galatians chapter 5 is one of them. We will not go into that here. But we can make it very simple, and God makes it simple by showing who He is in the pages of Scripture as long as we live in this world. God calls God keeps his arms open and says, come. I think we readily understand that, right? But love done to come to the patriarchs. What is that? It's certainly not because Abraham and his son, of course, and Jacob, because they were such righteous dudes, right? No. It was because of promise. A promise that kind of sorted something like this. Genesis 28, your descendants Abraham will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. It is not hard for us to understand this when you, a mom and dad, say to your daughter or son, I will be at your next baseball game, I promise to you. And your son or daughter are playing their best out there and they're looking out in the crowd and guess what? Mom and or dad aren't there. And when you finally see them again, they say, why weren't you there? And even you don't want to say the excuse out loud because you know it doesn't hold up when you say, I was so busy at work. When God the Father makes a promise, he cannot walk away from it. He keeps that promise even if it means death. That's why... He cannot walk away from his people Israel either. This is not saying of any group of people that once saved, always saved. What this is saying is the Jews are not irredeemable. They are not broken beyond any one of us, beyond the point where God himself can save them. No, they can be saved. God puts us all in the same boat. Listen, it says... God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. We are all in the same boat. The great lie of Satan and those of his children who follow him will be, we are irredeemable, give up all hope and despair. That's a lie. Whether Jew or Gentile, we can be saved. Listen to this. James chapter 1, or rather Acts 7 God turned away from the Israelites and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. Doesn't that sound horrible? But listen also to this. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So when you hear this verse, God bound everybody over to disobedience, what does it mean? God's tempting us? No. What does it mean? God may hand people over to their own sins and say, if you want that slop, okay, I will give it to you. Yes, but does any of that mean that humanity is irredeemable? No. What did we just say? When God makes a promise, he keeps it even if it means his own death. That's the caliber of love that God is giving to you, Gentiles, and to the Jews in this neighborhood and to the whole world. Mercy. It has always been about mercy, not the superiority of any one people group. And Paul lived that. Like in his ministry a few years before the book of Romans in the city of Corinth. And as Paul spoke, what did the Jews do? They gathered round. Some of them, though, their hearts responding to that message, to redemption. And some Jews, when they heard this, they clenched their fists in anger. But not all of them. Did you know the synagogue leader named Crispus actually ended up going next door to that Gentile's house and he became a believer in Jesus Christ? He did. Paul records it. Think on that. Some of them got it. Finally, some of those Jews understood what they were seeing was God unfolding a mystery, a revelation that Israel in their temporary rejection was now making it possible for the Gentiles to be grafted in to the vine that is Jesus Christ, to be preached to and brought in to the life that God offers in God's church. Not really the Jews' church, not really ever the Gentiles' church, God's. So when God speaks to us like this, know know it for what it is. This is God's call to a hope like no other. And we need this hope To fight against the darkness that's in us and in the world. And we've got it. But it is called to a humble hope. Recognizing that God's grace is an invitation for everybody to turn, or in the case of the Jews, to return to him. So that he, God, may have mercy on us all. Amen.
0: I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday divine service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbimiji.org, or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbimiji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.